LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here today with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And someone who's known me for about 20 years. Has it been 20 years? Almost awkward. Makes you sound really old. Hi, this is Shanna Pilgreen, and we actually did Fuge Camps together back in the day. Back in the day. So it has are been you serious? Twenty years we're ago, not kids anymore. Uh, almost twenty years ago. Wow. Almost twenty years. That's like the summer of two thousand. So it's a long, long. Yes, time. a lot of life has happened since then. <laughs> True story. But, but I would love to know. Oh, great! Here we go. Which taught? Like, who was Todd? <laughs> go for it. <laughs> who was Todd when you knew him? <laughs> oh, this is easy. This is easy. Todd. Todd is the guy. You know when you get your camp picture and it's got all of the staff. Or the first night of opening night, and every, all the kids are wondering what group they're going to be placed in. All the girls, all the teenage girls, were really crossing their fingers that they would be in Todd's group. Mm. That was the Todd I knew back then. The Abercrombie and Fitch Todd? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. In fact, even at night, it was the staffers we got to go around because this camp is, like, when the, when the sun goes down, it is dark. And uh, the staff, we would rotate who would go around camp to find the kids that were, you know, making out behind the trees. It was, so, it, it was yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a fun, fun summer at camp. So this is, uh, we're talking about Jeunesse Park in Northern California. And I will tell you, it's like 13 miles away from Yosemite as the crow flies. But oh, if wow. you actually want to go to Yosemite, it'll take you like two hours. Mm. Um, it was absolutely beautiful uh, and a great place beautiful. to do camp. Uh, I was the rec director and um, did a lot of, like, that is where, I don't know, if you can imagine uh, someone who really liked to have a good time except was absolutely a dictator when it came to recreation, that was, that was me. That was hot. For sure. Uh, The other crazy thing about that camp is it would be, you know, June or July and the water that ran through it was coming off snowmelt. So it was like 43 degrees. Mm. Freezing. Freezing. So you would have, you know, water games or whatever. And, you know, the kids, their lips were turning blue. Nice. Yeah. It was so Yeah, And, and, you know, we were there, you know, back before cell phones. Also. Yeah. like, yeah, you just completely unplugged in that place. It was, it still is amazing. And what's crazy now that California is home to us, um, me and my family, our kids now go to that camp in the summer, which, you know, I never thought that would, I never thought I'd be back to the state of California, let alone live in it, let alone send our kids back to the camp that I got to work at. So to give you a little context uh, uh, about Shauna is basically you grew up in the South and then you ended up with uh, starting your uh, a church with your husband, Ben, uh, Epic Church in San Francisco, um, uh, what, about 10 years ago now? Yeah, yeah. We just turned, uh, church just turned to eight. So we've been out here nine okay. years. Very yeah, good. Yeah, but we moved out here. Yeah, we moved out here downtown San Francisco to start Epic. Tell us about that, yeah. just a little bit of context, and then we'll kind of get into um, a couple of things. We, we do want to ask uh, a weird amalgamation of our five standard questions, 
Um, and just one of the things that we've talked about a lot is the importance of community, building community, and staying in community. And Shauna wrote a, a great book called Love Where You Live, uh, which, by the way, I get lots of books. I mean, a couple of books a week. Daniel does too. Mm. And whoever puts your book bundle together is good because there's actually a awesome. a, a rug that came with it. <laughs> That yes, we call those skinny doormats. A skinny doormat. That's what it was uh, that I said, love where <laughs> you live. So anyway, tell us a little bit about that journey. Yes. So like you said, grew up in the South, all I really had ever known. But there was enough that was flowing through this small town I grew up in where we were hosting missionaries as a pastor's family. And so I got exposed almost kind of little tiny ways, got exposed to what God was doing around the world. And enough that I had, I, I would have these dreams and visions of God, what else do I not see from this small vantage point and going off to college, headed to camp. And God really began to take me places around the world, whether it was mission trips in youth group or college. And yeah, just really believing, you know, I would not go back to the small town that I'd grown up in, in Georgia but San Francisco was never a place I would have thought I would have ended up. Uh, I think I could have seen myself, you know, in Africa before I could have seen myself in a, in a West coast city. But, uh, you know, God has his way of doing things that always surprise us. And Ben and I, uh, we actually met doing huge camps. And then shortly after we got married, we did some ministry in Louisiana and Alabama and Missouri. And it was while we were on staff at a, a pretty good sized church in, in the Midwest God began just to tell us, look, if I can bring people in to do what you're doing here, but I don't have enough people that are heading out into these strategic cities to start churches from scratch. And so within, we were only at that church a short time before we began to plan and prepare to move to San Francisco. And we, oh, we're so thankful, but God sent us a team of people and we moved out here, uh, let's see, the fall, the summer of 2000. And yeah, Epic Church was born. That's amazing. And Shauna, we'd, we'd love to, we're going to be getting into your story through the questions, but the five questions we designed are really about the whole idea of transition around discernment, around staying or around leaving. So let's get into the first one. And the first one is this, why does it seem, uh, always seem like being sent is leaving where you are and going somewhere else? Well, you know, guys, I think we have grown up, at least our generation, we've grown up believing this Christian marketing and lingo for decades, right? We grew up pre-Amazon. We grew up where, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't have a passport until I went to college. Mm. I don't know. Did you? I, my parents being from <laughs> Korea, we, we traveled, yeah. yeah, back and forth a little bit here and there. Korean yeah, I, I didn't have a passport. Yeah. Daniel's imported. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he got a passport early on right. or, or, you know, the idea that for me, when I heard missionary, I heard career missionary, like you, you were signing your life away to that, um, you know, never returning or the commitment was so heavy and great that only a certain type of people were being sent, you know, but nowadays where toothpaste and kitchen appliances and milk kits for dinner show up, you know, by the end of the day, mm-hmm. or, you know, our kids travel at such a younger age. And then now in in our context, missionary is being used with being Christian, not just for, you know, the superheroes of our day. I I think that that being sent, living sent 
has much to do with just our daily engagement with where we live as it used to do with, okay, you've got to pack up and ship all of your belongings across the globe. Uh, I also think, you know, living scent, and I uh, unpack this a lot in the book, but living scent is not again, not just for a certain type of people, but it's, it's the great commission call. I see it as this everyday alarm clock that just goes off. And I don't know what time do your alarm clocks go off. Mine goes off at, at five 30. I learned that trick when the kids were little that, yeah. Oh, wait a second. If I get up just before them, I'm going to be a much more pleasant person. Completely. Yeah. Depends on the day for me. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the day. Yeah. Well, it's like when that alarm clock sounds, for us as believers, I believe that's also that time to live sin again. It's a, it's an everyday kind of thing. Mm. Um, and also, this is true of our church and in the context where we do ministry, people are traveling around the world on a weekly basis. And they're not traveling around the world to be missionaries per se. They're traveling around the world uh, to represent cases and to open businesses and to meet with clients. Work now just takes us everywhere. And living scent is letting conversations matter, letting conversations matter. It's paying attention with eyes wide open. And with this lifestyle, I'm seeing God connect believers and open doors and bridge gaps. And even here in San Francisco, because of this, we're seeing more churches even come and being planted here. I think since we've been here Maybe even a dozen churches have been planted in the past 10 years. The interesting thing there, um, you know, I I think one of the things that um, I I started to focus on the last couple, well, the last year especially, was strategy and also purpose and doing a lot of reading on purpose. And so there's a a great quote, you know, everybody knows – uh, culture strategy for breakfast, but there's another one that goes culture strategy for breakfast, but it gets its appetite from purpose. And so really thinking about um, purpose and intention. And, you know, when I, uh, uh, the first place I heard, uh, you know, uh, the idea or concept of living scent was from J.D. Greer in what he says to his church every week is, you know, he tells them, Summit, you, you've been sent. I mean, that's the way they close every service. And I just so love the way uh, that that moves forward because, you know, when you think about the different spheres of life that we have, whether it's here's my work sphere or here's my sphere as a parent or a spouse uh, and here's who I am in my community or church, it really is a matter of aligning that with your purpose as as a believer. Uh, right. That's what I love about this whole concept. And you're the, the uh, I think, one of the few other people I've heard about, you know, using that term about living scent. So that's why we want to put Yeah, and it's, and it's and it's teaching people to live scent today, not preparing them to do it one day. Hmm. You know, the, the concepts of, of learning to tell your story, of looking for that opportunity to say hello, looking for that moment where someone seems interested in what you've got going on in your life. And you use that as um, the initiative to start a conversation that, and again, not all conversations are going to be about Jesus or about church, but all conversations God's going to use to lead to something. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. So, Shauna, we have a lot of church leaders listening in. How have you and Ben helped your church learn how to live sent where they are, especially as things seem to be getting busier? And I mean, you understand urban life, uh, you understand suburban rural life as well, right? I mean, there's there's so many different dynamics to that, but especially being in, in San Francisco and the busyness of it all, how have you been helping just some practical ways for your church to live sent? Yeah. You know, I, I really hope that this encourages all pastors, but even, even just the ones that are, that are starting a church from scratch, church planners. When we moved out here, our church was the size of 13 people. Hmm. And of those 13, five were kids, three were ours. So when I think about when we moved out here and we started this lifestyle in the city, the people we were teaching it to were our two, four and six year old boys. And they saw us figuring this out and making mistakes along the way. But we learned to do it with our kids watching us. Yeah. And we learned to do it, you know, having, you know, meeting the barista at the coffee shop or getting to know the person that was working at the dry cleaners or, you know, trying to get into the same um, lane at the bank so we could have the same conversation with the bank teller week in and week out. So it was more or less learning how to model this to our kids before, and this was months before we even had our first preview service. So I think that helped a whole lot when we realized, you know what, we start this at home. We do this well as a family. We let them see our mistakes and failures while at the same time, like letting them see the joys of, Hey, isn't it awesome that our librarian showed up at our first preview service, that kind of thing. And then I think as we began to live this out before the people in our church, we were doing it with them. It wasn't this mentality of, okay, we've got this figured out. We understand this global city we're living in and here's how you do it. It was, you know, it still is. It's been sharing the stories on Sunday that he lived out during the week, um, which is just, it's a big part of it. It's, it's again, just taking a big concept of the book is, uh, doing what you're created to do in your current season of life in the place you live. So, you know, we're already busy people, Mm -hmm. but we don't forget to put our shoes on. You know, we're not that busy. So I think the same is true for living scent. We are already busy people. So living scent is not a whole different lifestyle. It's just walking out the door, doing what you're called to do in your current season of life in the place you live. And so, you know, pastors, church leaders, if you've got small kids, engage with other men and women that you're going to do life with today who have small kids. And you'll be amazed at how God uses that as a connection point. Good deal. So uh, the second question really is all about um, how do you resist the grass is greener on the other side syndrome? I mean, you've been in the inner city for a while. You've got kids. Um, You guys have been there for 10 years. You have a successful church plant, which usually leads to other opportunities in other places. You know, 10 years is longer than most people stay at any one place these days. Most pastors stay at any one place these days, especially at the life stage that you guys are at. How do you avoid um, the grass is greener on the other side syndrome as both, I, I would think this is both as a pastor, but also as a person who attends a church. Yes, yes. You know, I think as far as resisting it, you do resist it with truth because the truth is there are there are places where the grass is greener. 
So there's no denying that. I mean, I might live in quote unquote, one shade of green and, and you Todd and, and you Daniel, but I think we celebrate where God has us. Hmm. I think the grass is greener on the other side syndrome comes from a place of discontentment and a lack of gratitude. Because the truth is, the grass is greener in other places. There are bigger churches. There are bigger budgets. There are bigger staffs. There's more parking. I mean, what we would do when I, when we visit family in the South and we pull up to a parking lot at a church, I, I mean, I have to resist uh, jealousy in big ways right there, just simply having a parking lot. Um, but the lie is, I believe, the lie is, is that I'm on the wrong grass, I think the truth is the grass is greener, but I think the lie is I'm on the wrong grass and I would be happier and more successful if I were on her grass or if I were doing ministry in his grass. But we don't know how long we have on, you know, to continue to use this phrase, we don't know how long we have on the grass that God has us on. So let's not waste our time, you know, salivating over the grass that they have, but instead to walk our streets and stay in our lane and love our people. And, you know, I love that the the chapter on rest, I think it's the best chapter on rest in the Bible, Psalm 23, where it says, God makes us lie down in green pastures. And those green pastures are just his abundant place of rest right where we are. And so I think the grass is greener. Again, I think it's, I think it's true, but I think we learn how to rest and have gratitude in the green grass God has us in. Mm. So how have you and Ben learned? What, what are some instances where you've had to learn how to rest or, or to rest over the course of um, your time in San Francisco? I think at the beginning, we had to give ourselves a lot of grace because this place wasn't quite home yet. And we were still missing the comforts from the other places we had lived And when I say comforts, I'm speaking about Chick-fil-A, I'm speaking about (laughs) sweet tea, you know, so nothing deep and spiritual here, but I had, well, both of us did, but I feel like me in particular, I had to get out of the city a lot more and to give myself grace to say, you know what? I just need some wide open space for a little bit. I need break from the sidewalks and the concrete. And then over time, I didn't have to get away as often, Mm. but you know, we still, I think for all of us, we do have to make sure that we're getting away from our particular place of ministry. I think it's, um, I'm going to give credit to Mark Batterson. Someone else might've said this, but a change of place plus a change of pace, change of pace, change of place leads to a change of perspective. Mm. And I do think that getting away and finding places of rest is huge, but then I also think we have to learn to rest where we live. And that that looks different for all of us. Even in the context of your own family unit, we all rest differently. Um, Ben rests when he walks. I rest, I'm a homebody, so I I get my best rest at home with a book. Um, Our four kids rest in, in different ways. So just learning and carving out and being intentional about taking time to rest where you live. Yeah. It's crucial. It's crucial to ministry and to, to longevity. I love that. I love that. Now, before we get to our next question, which is all about um, what you would say to leaders who are trying to decide whether to stay or to go, I just wanted to say a quick word from our sponsor. 
So just a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Ministry Grid. You know, training your volunteers and leaders is important, but do you ever feel like you don't know where to start? That's why LifeWay Leadership developed Ministry Grid. With Ministry Grid's library of over 3,000 training videos, their work has been done for you, and you'll be able to train everyone in your church. And this is training you can trust. Each Ministry Grid video features an experienced ministry leader who has been where you are now. You can even customize training by adding videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and more. And now Ministry Grid has one plan with one price that gives you unlimited access to train your entire church. Just go to ministrygrid.com to learn more. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. Now back to the episode. So Shauna, uh, we've been talking a lot about the the grass is greener on the other side. And I really appreciate the perspective that, yes, it is sometimes greener on the other side, uh, but just the importance of learning how to rest, uh, rest in the Lord and, and rest in where God has you today. But what would you say to leaders who are trying to discern and decide whether to stay or to go? I think that there's two questions and they're not um, very deep questions, but I think two questions. Why are you wanting to go? And is God the one sending you? Hmm. Why are you wanting to go? And is God the one sending you? Um, and I, you know, I think we can get a lot of wisdom from even other people and mentors in our lives. And as, as, as we're seeking God and, and what, where we are in life and, and is God moving us on. But I think if you look back at God's track record of sending people, most of the times it seems a little bit odd anyway, right? When you think about Esther going from the orphan to the palace or Moses from tending sheep back to where he came from to free people or look at all of the disciples. I know for us, it was going from a mega church in the Midwest to starting a church from scratch in downtown San Francisco and even in particular, my journey from being a pastor's kid in the Bible Belt to being a church planter's wife in a global city, all of these instances just seem very strange. Mm. So I think when you think about, God, is it time for me to go or, or am I here to stay? I think if we can ask those questions, why are why am I wanting to go? Why, why is there an urgency? Why is there a draw somewhere else? And then is God the one that's sending me or is there something I'm trying to get away from? I know for Ben and I, and this is just practically speaking, our sabbatical was about a year and a half ago. And since then, we continue to ask ourselves this question. Is this where God still wants us? Not even that we're even looking to leave, mm -hmm. but I think just having this um, conversation with ourselves um, is, is this where God still wants us? And I think it brings about this recommitment to where God has us. Or it brings us to a place of, okay, there is a stirring. There is something that just seems unsettled in my spirit. And I need, I need to be talking to God more about this. Um, but for us in our nine years, as we continue to make these recommitments, we're making a recommitment to the people of our city and the people we're called to serve. And for now, I love that God has us in downtown San Francisco ministering to people here and yeah, our, our commitment again is just we're, we're called here and we don't see ourselves going anywhere. But when those moments come and when those days seem long or those seasons seem dry, I think coming back to these questions are, um, yeah, is this where God still wants us to be? Yeah. 
No, that's, that's, that's really good. So that, that question of recommitment or that question you said, is this where God still wants us? Is that, is that just something at the beginning of the year, you know, you're just praying you're like, God, is this still where you want us to be? Or, or do you take, is it, is it more of a approach of prayer and fasting and, and, you know, it's, it's a longer process or, I mean, how, what does that look like for y'all? Yeah. So, um, just after the sabbatical, we came home and decided to do 40 days of silence. Meaning as we started our quiet times in the morning, our quiet times were just going to be a time of stillness Mm. and, and listening to God. And, um, so it was during those 40 days of silence on our own that we really just believe, yep, God, we still have just this peace in our heart that we're supposed to be right here. There's been other times where it is that January, um, new leaf turning. What does this year look like? Um, time of prayer and fasting for sure. And then there's other times going into, yeah, I think, you know, churches have different busy seasons for us. It's, it's that fall kickoff where we know we're about to get, um, you know, revved up into a very busy season and then going into the holidays and school has started. It's in that time. A lot of times where we just say, all right, God, we need to hear you clearly. Is this where you have us? Um, but I, th- I think it, at times, sometimes it's, there's seasons where we're asking the question a lot more than other times. Makes sense. All right, let's go into our fourth question, uh, which is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self about leadership and just leading in life? Yeah, yeah, I... I uh, Oh my goodness. I just laugh to think, uh, what my 20 year old self would, would look at my 40 year old self today. Um, I think three simple things. I think it's keep sewing, keep learning and to treasure what God does behind the scenes when it's just me and him. Hmm. Um, can you flush you that know, out a little my, bit? Yeah, I think, I think my 20 year old self, Right. And, and maybe even the 20 year olds um, that listen, you're just in the season where you, you see people so, uh, you know, 10 and 20 years older than you that are that are seem accomplished and, um, you know, well on their way. And, and they, they understand their purpose and they're in their lane as a 20 year old. You're thinking, how do I get there? Can I just jump, you know, 20 years <laughs> and be there? And as I look back, I'm thinking, you know what? My 20 year old self would need to know. It is what you put in the day in and the day out when no one else is watching, when they can't see everything that you see um, to keep sewing, that those days of sewing really add up to something incredible and something beautiful. And, you know, those days of sewing are producing something, even though you can't see it. And then the idea of treasuring what God is doing behind the scenes when it's just you and him. Uh, I think my 20 year old self probably believed the lie that uh, it's what's on the outside that counts. It's what's on the outside that people see and notice most. And um, I definitely think I've learned this even at times the hard way that no, it's what God is doing in me behind the scenes when no one else is watching that God has pulled out and used in such significant times and moments, not just in my own life, but in the lives of the people that I get to, to serve and lead. I love that. I love that. Now in, um, 
in your home life, what does leadership look like for you and for your husband, Ben? Yeah. So, um, we have four kids. Um, our boys are 15, (laughs) yep. 15, 13, 11. And then our adopted daughter joined our family three years ago and she's 13. So we're raising teenagers and, um, you know, the season of life we're in, in regards to leadership, it's, um, I, well, I'll go back and remember a conversation that Ben and I had in London. We were um, on the back patio with, um, mentors and, and friends, Nikki and Silla Lee that are part of, um, HTB in London. And I remember them telling us that we were going from a season of being controllers mm. to being consultants. And that has, uh, just been at the forefront of my mind as we're stepping into these teenage years and even as how we're, we're pouring into their lives so that they can pour into others. But this idea that we're no longer controlling where they go, who they spend time with, you know, their play dates and, and their schedule, we're not consulting them on how they make decisions and how they choose classes to take and that kind of thing. So right now in the season we're in, Ben and I really play into our strengths. We are, um, it's very much a tag team. Uh, I don't know about you with your wives, but we are opposites. And I'm now starting to see that as a strength in our home. Uh, for example, I will cook and he'll clean the dishes. Um, he's the one that takes us all on spontaneous outings and I'm the one who schedules everything else. Um, Ben is the one who brings the laughter into the house and I'm the one who tries to keep us in order. Uh, (laughs) Ben does the ironing. I do the laundry just very practically. Mm. Um, another thing we do and, uh, Dave Ferguson taught this to us, but the ICNUs, we're starting to use that uh, in our home with our kids, not just with our leaders at church that ICNU, uh, where we're calling out the gifts and the potential that we see in our kids. We're just really seeing God uh, really shape them into very unique uh, individuals. And I think by calling those things out of them in the home, they're going to school and to their sports fields with a lot more confidence because of us being able to do that. Um, Another thing we do at home, uh, we just keep this question on the forefront, and that is, how can I help? We're all asking it. We're teaching all six of us to ask that question. How can I help? You know, life outside our home. I mean, we live, we live in the heart of the city. So life outside our home is drastically different from life inside the home. And so it takes all of us to keep home this place of rest and this place of refueling. um, And to keep this as a place where we can unload and just be together. And that just makes a significant difference to how our kids are learning to lead outside the home. I love that, man. Thanks for being so practical and, and for sharing what leadership in your home looks like. Yes. Always learning. What's, what's always fun for me is when, um, I get to talk to somebody that I knew 20 years ago, whether it would be from Mm -hmm. seminary or college. Um, and you know, We've both been around enough to know and been in ministry long enough to know people that um, are no longer in ministry that that we started out with. And so one of the things I love about what you've just talked about is um, in some ways uh, just ways to make sure that that you stay in ministry. Uh, And so it's, man, a big part of what I think um, we often fail to do is 
we fail to see our lives as ministry. And one of the things I appreciated about uh, your book and just hearing you talk for the last 30 minutes is understanding that, you know, there is a danger uh, and people that listen to this podcast know what I'm about to say. And it, there's a grave danger mm-hmm. to compartmentalizing your life, mm. not living yeah. a sent life where you live, work, and play. I mean, yes, if you're a, a pastor, you get the luxury of having your job at the church. Don't don't buy into the lie or the belief that you can compartmentalize that from your home life mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, it is it's a very dangerous place to be. So the beauty of this, I think, is helping our people understand that, you know, God didn't just save you from something. He saved you for something. Mm-hmm. But a, mm-hmm. but but that may not be, you know, this great Moses moment in your life. That is going to be more likely living sent on a daily basis. And you never know what ordinary thing, a part of an ordinary day that you do that might echo through eternity. That time when you're tired and you're checking out at the grocery store and you have somewhere you know you want to be and there's an extra person in the line that you're, you know, kind of targeting to have conversations with, you know, just all those little things, you never know which one is going to trip. And, and you never know that the seeds that you sow that somebody else is going to get to to harvest and you will not know this side of eternity what living scent will be. You will not know until you get to heaven. So just no, love that. That's concept. so good. That's so good because it's not just you living this way. It's all of us living this way. It's it's the pastor teaching this to the congregation who's all of us. We're all living this out. And this is how our church has grown. It's because we're having the conversations, we're making the introductions, and we're inviting people. And it it is a beautiful thing to be part of the collaborative and the connective work of God in the places we live. That's what it's all about. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Shauna. Thank you, guys. I'm so glad we had Shauna in to address these questions that I know are, are just on the hearts and minds of a lot of our listeners and leaders. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one thing to to talk about the subject of living scent, and I do think that that's a something that's been swirling around the idea of you know being missional and, mm. and some of the things that um, we now it's it's almost not trite, but we man, we just uh, we heard it so much that we're starting to shy away from it and just it starts to almost have a negative connotation yeah and that's do love the idea of living scent and and just the practical application of what that means yeah and in order to help our churches learn how to live scent it's a discipleship issue right modeling issue yeah yeah you can't it's not about guilting or shaming yeah you got to model it but you also need to open up the scriptures and and disciple them toward that And, and that's why i love uh, one of the reasons I love the Making Disciples podcast with Robbie Gallaty and Chris Swain. They're part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family. And uh, they address questions like this and, and questions about um, even recent recent episodes. I love this. How gaming connects with discipleship. Discipleship lessons from Israel. Can you have fun in ministry? So a lot of great topics every single week. Just look up Making Disciples on your favorite podcasting app and you can subscribe today. 